Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here. We pray that you will be blessed by this message and that God will impact your hearts. Let's listen. Imagine if God told you to go marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Greystone Church. My name is Justin Wojak. I'm the creative pastor here. Welcome, everybody, at all of our other campuses, everybody online. It is so good that y'all are joining us today. And so, like I said, my name is Justin Wojak. I'm the creative pastor. I've been on staff for probably about four years almost. And prior to that, I've owned my own photography company, been able to travel the world shooting commercial wedding photography. But before that, I was actually the student pastor here at Greystone back in the day when I was 19 years old. So it's crazy full circle how God has brought me back here, but it is incredible to be here this morning. Let me introduce you to my family. My wife's name is Lori. We've been married for 14 years, and those are our two daughters, uh, Charlie and Kylan. And if you know me, I don't call Charlie Charlie. I call her Charlotte or Boo. So yeah, anyways, if you know me, that's pretty typical. No idea why I call her that. But I cannot forget our two other kids, our two golden doodles, Emmy and Callie. Uh, Callie is the blonde one and Emmy is the black one. And so those are our other two kids. And so guys, as we wrap up our summer Bible project, I am so excited that we have gotten to explore the minor prophets. And my prayer is that y'all have been able to read parts of the Bible you typically would not have read, but y'all have learned what an amazing God that we have. And so as we start going through the book of Isaiah, I just don't want to go through the book because that's all good and everything, but I want y'all to leave with some tools today so then that way, as you leave here, y'all are able to take these tools and implement that into your own daily devotion so then that way, again, you're, you're adding something new because you can kind of get in ruts doing the same thing day in and day out. So tool number one is the filament app. So what I love about this is that the, it, it correlates with the filament Bible. So you can Google that. Um, but what I love about this app was how easy it is to look things up, to go deeper as you're studying the Word of God. So we're actually going to walk through that app and actually what it looks like. So if you have that Bible on top of the page, there's a little icon and you take a picture of it. And then you hit go, and then it opens up a bunch of goodness. And we're not even gonna cover the, the last two. We're gonna hit study. And then once you're gonna hit study, you can just see the goodness that pops up. And then on the bottom left-hand side of it, you see the little airplane. We're gonna click on that because it opens up to the book overview. So if, it's, if you're like me, I just don't like going into studying a book of a Bible because especially the Old Testament, because you start reading it and you're like, what is going on here? What are these names? What is even happening? So I like to know the purpose. And with this app, boom, right off the bat. So if you have your Bibles, if you got the email this week, I told you to bring your Bible. <coughs> Sorry about that. Your Bible, highlighter, and pen. So be sure to, to write this down, the purpose of Hosea. So I have it written on the top of mine, just so then that way, months and weeks later down the road, as you're, as you're doing a Bible study, it's going to open up and you'll be like, oh, that's going to speak to you. So the purpose of the book of Hosea is to depict Israel's unfaithfulness 
an ensuing judgment to show God's desire to heal and restore his people. So I want to be sure that you remember that throughout this whole morning. So tool number two that I love to use is the BibleProject.com. All right, I mentioned that so many times before, but today we're actually going to dive into it because what I love about it, it makes the Bible accessible to everybody, but it helps thread that needle from the very first word to the last word of the Bible. That thread, it all points to Jesus. So this is something that me and my family watch from time to time. It really opens up what the Bible and the books of the Bible and different, um, different themes throughout the entire Bible. So let's dive into what the Bible Project has to say about the book of Hosea. About the book of Hosea. The book of the prophet Hosea. Hosea lived in the northern kingdom of Israel, which he sometimes calls Ephraim or Jacob, about 200 years after they had broken off from southern Judah. Remember the story from 1 Kings. Hosea was called to speak on God's behalf during the reign of one of Israel's worst kings, Jeroboam II. The nation was descending into chaos, and in the year 722, the big bad Assyrian Empire swooped in and decimated Israel. Again, see the story in 2 Kings. And Hosea had seen all of this coming. The book is a collection of some 25 years of his preaching and writing. It's almost all poetry. And this whole collection has been designed to have three main sections. Let's just dive in and you'll see how it works. The relationship between Hosea and Gomer is a prophetic symbol of God's relationship with Israel. I'm going to say that again. The relationship between Hosea and Gomer is a prophetic symbol of God's relationship with Israel. I want to take it a step further. It's God's relationship with us. It's God's relationship with you. It's God's relationship with us. So let's go to chapter two, verses two through five. So be sure you underline it. Be sure you highlight it. And it reads, and I love, I love the, the, the chapter title, Charges Against an Unfaithful Wife. So, but now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she's no longer my wife, I'm no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breast. Otherwise, I'll strip her as naked as she was the day she was born. I will leave her to die of thirst as in a dry and barren wilderness. And I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution. Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, clothing, wool, linen, and olive oil, and drinks. That's a pretty strong list of charges right there. But in verse eight, in verse eight, it says something that stops me in my tracks as I was reading. So verse eight reads, she doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave all my gifts to Baal. And I was like, how many times do I go through the day not even acknowledging Jesus of all the blessings in my life? How many times do I go saying, oh, God, I, I got this, I got this photo shoot, I got this, I got this meeting. But let's go back to, to tool number one because I wanna show you how awesome this is. So again, in verse 2-8, we just read it. So here's what, this, here's what the app has to say. 
Israel needs to know God personally and experientially. Had the Israelites known the Lord in this way, they would have realized that every good thing in their lives came from him and not from the Baals. Remember, man-made statues that they give. And so when I read that, when I read it in that app, and I was like, there's so many times I go and like, oh, look at what I did. Look at what I did. And, but man, it was such a good reminder that it all comes from God. All right? So the second judgment that we see can be found in verses 9 through 13. And so that is God will remove and destroy all that he has given them. And the first judgment that we saw is that God will restrict his people. So again, that second judgment is God will remove and destroy all that he has given. So if you're following along in your Bible, highlight, underline verses 9 through 13. It reads, but now I will take back the ripened grain and the new wine I generously provided each harvest season. I will take back away the wool and the linen clothing I'll, I gave her to cover her nakedness. I will strip her naked in public while all her lovers look on. No one will be able to rescue her from my hands. I'll put an end to her annual festivals, her new moon celebrations and her Sabbath days, all of her appointed festivals. I will destroy her gate grapevines and fig trees, things that she came, claims her lovers gave her. I will let them grow into tangled thickets where only wild animals will eat them. I will punish her for all the times when she burned incense to her images of, of Baal, when she put her earrings on and jewelries and went out looking for her lovers, but forgot all about me, says the Lord. So we see two judgments, every reason God to bring punishment among the Israelites. But then in verses 14 through the rest of the chapter, and specifically 14 and 15, and then 19 and 20, we see God's third judgment, and we see something crazy, that God wins her back. When I was reading this, I was like, what? Like, the Israelites are completely putting things above God. But then in verses 14 and 15, we see something crazy again. God wins her back. Verse 14 says, but then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert. I and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from the captivity in Egypt. And then in verse 19 and 20 now, it says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. So I want to challenge you, do you really know the Lord? Do you really know him? We see God do something incredible. God wins her back. And then calls Hosea in chapter three, verses one and two. So if you're highlighting, if you're underlining it, we see something crazy. Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods 
and loved worshiping them. So God is telling Hosea to go and pursue Gomer. I'm gonna be honest with you. As an adult, that is a nightmare of mine. I wake up and I'm like, oh gosh, where's Lori? Where's Lori? And she's, the, you know, a, a weird dream, a weird nightmare that something happens between me and Lori and we're separated. That is a nightmare that I had. The, the, the brokenheartedness that Gomer has caused Hosea, the mistrust, all the other sort of emotions, people in this room, people watching, they have experienced that. I could not imagine doing that. But in Gomer's lowest moment, we see something crazy. So in verse two, it says, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. So let's go back to tool number one, because let's, let's break down verses one and two. So verse one of chapter three, you know, the Lord commanded Hosea to restore his marriage as testimony that the Lord had promised to restore wayward Israel. And that love to worship them literally Love their raisin cakes. The worship of a shore, a Canaanite fertility goddess often included an offering of raisin cakes. So I said that to paint the picture of how crazy the Israelites were. They were offering raisin cakes to a statue they created themselves. You know, they were, they were worshiping the statue and giving raisin cakes. But what I love about verse two was again, when you read this, you're like, okay, bought Gomer back, okay. But what I love about it, again, in verse two, it says, the biblical text does not indicate why the prophet needed to purchase his wife. Most interpreters have assumed that the unfaithful Gomer had fallen into debt and became a slave. The meager price they had paid for merely indicated that Gomer was considered a slave of little value. So again, put yourself in Gomer's shoes. And maybe... Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you are rock bottom. The mistrust, the brokenheartedness, the emotional torment that you have put on somebody. But then you see that same person coming in at your lowest to come and rescue you. So then let's, let's go to chapter four because we see something that, I, that, again, stopped me in my tracks as, as I was studying this. I was like, we have to talk about it. So let's go back to the Bible Project, tool number two, for some more. So chapters four through 10, Hosea explores the causes and effects of Israel's unfaithfulness. He says numerous times that Israel lacks all knowledge or understanding of God. The Hebrew word to know, which is yada, it's more than just intellectual activity. It describes personal relational knowledge. It's the difference between just knowing about someone and then actually knowing that someone. And God wants Israel to know him like that in a relationship. He wants them to experience his love for them and become the kind of knowledge that transforms their hearts and lives so that they love him in return. All right, so let's go ahead and go to chapter four, verses six and seven. Be sure you highlight it, be sure you underline it. So in chapter four, verses six and seven, it says, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since your priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. Since you've forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. The more priests they are, the more they sin against me. They have exchanged the glory of God 
for the shame of idols. So then let's go to chapter six, verse six, and let's highlight and underline this. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than burnt offerings. All right, so again, going to tool number one, verses six, six. Let's dive a little bit deeper. And it reads, in one of Hosea key verses, God names the most important qualities that shows that characterize the Israelites' covenant lives with them. First, the Lord wants his people to show love more than he wants sacrifices. Love includes faithfulness. God is always faithful. He requires the same of his people. Second, the Lord wants Israel to know him more than he wants burnt offerings. Knowing God is more than simply knowing facts about God. An intimate, personal relationship with God is characterized by complete trust and integrity. Sacrifice still had a, a proper place in Israelite's religion, but only when it is offered by people who truly knew and loved God. So I want to challenge you, do you personally know Jesus this morning? You might know facts about God. You might come here week in and week out and go to small groups and you serve on mission things and you tithe. But do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Because it's so easy to go through the motions. It's so easy to leave here week in and week out and be encouraged in what the Spirit is doing here but do you personally know Jesus? If you were to leave here and get in a car wreck today and you died, would you know without a shadow of a doubt that you would be spending eternity in heaven? Do you? So guys, as, as we move on through chapters five and six, seven, eight, nine and 10, 12 and 13, the list just keeps growing of crazy things the Israelites are doing to put things in front of God and prostituting themselves. And so if you go back to chapter four, verse 12, just to give you an idea. So chapter four, verse 12 says, they ask a piece of wood for advice. They think a stick can tell them the future. Longing after idols have made them foolish. They have played the prostitute serving other gods and deserting their God. Again, another reason, another, another um, an item on that list of God has every reason to bring punishment on the Israelites. But if you notice in that list of chapters, I didn't include 11 and 14, because again, this is where the book of Hosea comes alive. Again, chapter after chapter, list after list of things. But then in chapter 11, verses one through four, and then eight through nine. So again, if you're following along, which I like hearing the turning of the Bibles. So again, we're gonna be, be focusing on one through four, and then eight through nine. And it reads, when Israel was a child, I loved him. I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called him, the further he moved from me, offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with the ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck and I myself stooped to feed him. And then verses eight 
in nine. How can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adim and demolish you like Zebulun? My heart is torn within me. My compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce angle. I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you. I will not come to destroy you. So then let's flip over to chapter 14, verses four through seven. Be sure you highlight and underline this. The Lord says, then I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like a lily. It will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars of Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like beautiful olive trees, as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. My people will again live under the shade. They will flourish like grain and blossom like grapevines. They will be fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. So guys, the application for today is that God is pursuing you with reckless abandonment. That God is pursuing you with reckless abandonment. So I don't know, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you drank last night. I don't know what you ingested. I don't know what you, you, you looked at. I don't know what type of behavior you participated in. But when you truly know God, when you know God on a personal level, you want to turn from sin. And so why God is constantly pursuing us, even though we are short, even though that we sin every day, but to really experience his blessing, his true blessing is to repent from that lifestyle, repent from that sin and pursue him with everything that you have. So there is no shadow that he won't light up. Again, I don't know. You could be Gomer this morning. You could feel worthless. You could feel of little value. But in chapter three, we see that Gomer has to stop that lifestyle. So I want to encourage you to stop. Whatever you are doing, whatever you're putting in front of God, I challenge you to stop and give it over to God. Like I said, there is no shadow that he won't light up, guys. There is no mountain he won't climb up to come after you. There is no wall he won't kick down. Lie, I, I love that phrase, that lie. How many times do we believe the lies that are inside our heads that Satan is constantly dropping us? You are worthy. He will chase you down. He will fight till you are found, guys. And he will even leave the 99 to come after you. And if that's you this morning, Greystone is the place for you. You don't have to feel ashamed. We are here to love and we are here to walk you through whatever you are going through. So if you don't know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior, I want you to to challenge you to accept him today. If your hands are sweaty, if you're getting a little butterflies in your stomach, that is the spirit talking. So join me in prayer. So Lord God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you, Jesus, for pursuing us, God, with reckless abandonment, Lord God. And we ask, God, for those that don't know Jesus, 
personally, Lord God. And if that's you this morning, you can just repeat the simple prayer. It's not, it's not a, a certain um, amount of words or, or any magic formula, but it's just you expressing knowledge to Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus, just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've fallen and I need you. I need you in my heart. I need you in my mind. I need you in my life. I need you to be the Lord of it. And God, I acknowledge you that you have died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And if that is you this morning, you can put that on the, on the communication card. You can talk to your campus pastor, talk to somebody, because we're here to help you through this process. And so Jesus, God, as we leave here, God, I just pray that your spirit will continue to work. God, as we go on, as we start school, the day-to-day routine of life, Lord Jesus, God, that we will remember that you are the one that provided us everything that we have, that you are pursuing us with reckless abandonment. And so we just ask this in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more of these messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to visit our website, greystonechurch.com. We pray that you will have an amazing day.